0: the events of yesterday were only drawing our attention also to one of our pressing needs as a country it therefore only gave me one message that perhaps we need to treat this matter with the agency it deserves even though there are processes and even though we are allocating and spending so much money in our education it does seem That the matter has not been adequately addressed in order to be able to get to a sustainable uh, education system that provides for everyone that also addresses the issue of quality of our education that should be commensurate to the resources that we spend in that space but the frustration that one got you know got me thinking that um, as government, as we engage with the processes, some of them that are already underway including the interdepartmental uh, task team that is looking at uh, bringing together, um, looking at a sustainable um, funding model for post-school education because what we find is that there are inefficiencies also in the system uh, having trebled the amount that goes to NSFAS for instance. Um, We still have um, a lot of inefficiencies and I think the Department of Education, working with our department and the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation were due to release a report um, um, later this year or early in 2016. And I think we need to expedite that process. But there is also a bigger process of um, engaging other stakeholders uh, that go beyond government in order to be able to look at how best this matter can be addressed. This was precipitated, of course, by the proposed increase in fees. And as that happened, it then spread across the country that uh, there is uh, utter opposition to this. So I think we need two processes, a process that uh, is uh, looking at the immediate uh, stabilization of the situation, but also a process that looks at the long term um, uh, addressing and resolution of the crisis.
1: Under these constrained economic conditions, I think what students listening now want to know is whether there is any maneuverability. Is there any money that you can find anywhere in the system to speak to their demands of if they could have their way, not paying for university fees at all?
0: Sakina, uh, budgeting is about trade-offs. Budgeting is about everyone understanding what our priorities are. You can't have a thousand priorities and call them all priorities. It would mean um, and that is why we need a broader conversation first stabilize this and i would imagine that is what the department of education um, of course uh, taking the cue from cabinet is doing with the um, universities and uh, other institutions of higher learning to say let us hold the with uh, uh, hold back with the increases at the moment, whilst we debate the matter, because that, in my view, if this thing was not political, it was only really about the fees, would actually bring calm to the situation. And as we sit around the table, that's when we bring all stakeholders, including parents who are taxpayers, by the way, who should also have a say in whether they actually would like uh, us to move expeditiously in this space. Because at the end of the day, it is South Africa that must decide what are our priorities and if these are our priorities, how do we um, allow resources to flow to those priorities in a manner that provides stability. The skills, of course, is what we as a country require more than anything else in order to be able to drive our economy.
1: Minister, the um, uh, economic growth forecast picked back to 1.5% for this year and um, many people were concerned that uh, they felt that you were not specific enough, you were not elaborate enough in terms of the indicators of how you were actually going to go about stimulating
0: the economy. Look, um, uh, Sakina, all we're saying, we said if... First, we revised growth because that is informed by reality out there. Um, falling commodity prices, falling demand uh, um, externally and internally, but also um, uh, uh, growing pressures. On, uh, on our um, um, exports and, um, and, number and, and and our currency. So all of those things call on us to begin to look and to what it is that we are doing. One of the things, the major constraints to our economy growing is, is energy. Uh, we're looking at a number of other structural reforms in the country, including refocusing our energy towards the sectors that otherwise would be um, able, like agriculture, investing in industrialization and uh, uh, special economic zones. All of that, uh, including the incentives that go into that space, seek to address the area of uh, uh, beginning to uh, create an environment where a business is in a better position to invest. But if I were to quickly step back to the issue of energy because that's been our major uh, uh, you know uh, constraint to our economy if you look at what how far we have gone in actually uh, bringing back ESCOM as the major supply of energy in, in into shape in order to be able to ex- execute its mandate um, I, we can safely say that we've actually gone a long way in actually bringing some confidence in that space and uh, sustainability in their, in their financial situation and also we've seen ESCOM um, uh, being able to uh, take forward its uh, maintenance program we've seen um, 800 megawatts coming out of um, I mean the first unit of Medupi uh, because the delays in, the, in that part had actually pulled us back a long way and uh, the issue of the IPPs, where the private sector has also come in. And it's that partnership also that we say we need to promote, not only in uh, in energy, but even the, in, in the broader economic space uh, to get the private sector to work with the state. And it has been tested that uh, we actually do um, have the potential to g- 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 get in the private sector. Also, further investment in infrastructure in general. Which brings in the private sector again, because we're saying 70% of this economy is actually in the hands of the private sector. And unless government works with the private sector in order to grow the economy, the economy cannot grow at a rate at which we would be able to do that. So this is now the internal part of it, but we are also refocusing our economy to, to the region. Um, Sub-Saharan region and the continent as an area of growth that um, the other economies uh, are also looking at. So we were saying both as a gateway into into the region and, uh, and the continent, but also as co-investors going into, in, in, into the region. And we've seen uh, some considerable progress being made into that space including building infrastructure. I mentioned just a few projects um, where South Africa in the South, uh, South Corridor and the Central Corridor and the North-South Corridor is participating through our DFIs, working with the private sector from South Africa, where we've seen some uh, uh, good investment programs and projects taking off, and we've developed this project preparation facility here um, um, under the auspices of the DBSA, and uh, we've seen uh, billions being, uh, uh, I mean, going through. An, ex- an immediate example is the one I made um, of uh, working with um, uh, DBSA for, to get Zimbabwe and South Africa to be able to tap into Mozambique's uh, um, energy space. But also, the issue in in Zim alone, one of the uh, best roads built in Zimbabwe was built with uh, by uh, Group Five. Where with the DBSA that runs between Harare uh, coming down to, to, I mean, from Bulawayo down to Harare. And uh, all of those projects are actually, in my view, some of those examples of areas where we think the private sector and uh, government and uh, state-owned entities working together have actually been able to realize uh, uh, opportunities that otherwise we hadn't focused on in the past.
1: I want to talk about uh, nuclear energy, but I'm going to defer to our guests. I'm hoping one of them will touch on that. If not, we'll come back to it. We'll also speak about those priorities later. But um, uh, I think in the interest of time, Minister, let me just ask you about one of the other issues that uh, you know seem to uh, send out some red flags. And this is uh, concerning Reserves that will be used to fund public sector wage bills?
0: The contingency reserve that we set has uh, um, been allocated in order to fund uh, the public sector wage bill. Uh, Speak to the... We know when we allocate resources, we always would would put aside money for any um, uh, unforeseen and uh, unavoidable uh, uh, situation, uh, be it natural disasters and... uh, Uh, other such things but in this instance I must say that we must be grateful that we didn't have uh, such a disaster but uh, the settlement that we had which was higher than what we had budgeted for in in the negotiations meant that uh, we needed to find money within our um, allocated resources because remember we've put ourselves a ceiling as a discipline Uh, because if you do not have that ceiling you run the risk of spending uh, beyond your means. And uh, as I said also that um, uh, the the cost of borrowing or the debt service cost uh, seems to be the fastest growing expenditure line item which we needed to contain. It's for that reason that we put in um, the fiscal consolidation that we announced last year in the uh, MTBPS and uh, executed in in, in the budget itself so the five billion rents is split between the two uh, uh, spheres of government provinces carry 70 percent of the public services uh, of the public servants so they they get a bigger share of 3.8 and the 1.2 billion goes to the national departments but that's also not adequate to cover that shortfall and the rest of it, the departments we've been working with the departments now to find that addition, those additional resources within the baseline allocations.
1: Our debt to uh, debt to GDP ratio now at 47%. That certainly is worrying.
0: Well, if you compare with the other uh, with the other economies, uh, it, what's what's important with the debt to GDP uh, 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 equation is uh, the sustainability thereof. And also the, the real composition of your expenditure because at the end of the day if you borrow for the productive capacity of the of, the, of your country that's an acceptable um, um, uh, this thing but at the same time this was now our counter cyclical response to the situation since the advent of uh, the um, uh, economic uh, crisis that um, um, started in 2008 stroke 9 so as we build that debt, it's now one of the that's one of the things that we said it's time we stabilise the debt because it's not just about the size of the debt; it's about the quality, and also the stability of the debt. Because what you do not want is overshooting, whilst the, 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 the which becomes unsustainable. Uh-huh. So we still are confident we would stabilise below 50%, which is within. Um, acceptable limits
1: I like that because uh, I wish we had more time to unpack that further because if you look at the huge public sector wage bill um, and and you talk about whether we are spending in the right places I, I think that would make for a very interesting discussion but let me get uh, to our other guest um uh, Dr Wilman
2: your uh, response your reaction to uh, minister nene circumstances. On the on the one hand you have that wage bill increase which had to be facilitated one way or another and then you have the growth situation where for domestic and global reasons growth is under pressure and therefore revenues as well. So I think it was a decent balancing act given the difficult circumstances at the same time we are somewhat concerned about the fact that you are still not at that point yet where debt is stabilising. We are talking about it and it's predicted in the long term that we'll get to that point but there was a further increase in the debt levels and it is still rising. So we haven't arrested the deterioration on the fiscal side yet and that is a little bit of a concern. And if we look at the longer term fiscal rule that was announced now, that will give you some stability in the longer term at reasonably high levels. It it still doesn't help you to bring down your debt levels. I think uh, another longer term concern would be the parastatals. It's quite foreseeable that more uh, support for some of the parastatals could be needed in the longer term. For example, ESCOM <coughs> potentially using more of its guarantees, etc. And we have spoken now about the debt levels, but if you include also the contingent liabilities, in other words, these other exposures, then we are somewhat concerned about where that level will ultimately end up. Dr. Fosler.
3: Yeah, no, I, I mean... I think there's no, there was no answer to the uh, students in the midterm budget, but we got one indication now from the finance minister to hold back the increases. I think, I think there is a need for a major overhaul of the tax policy, and I think that, that the government also must uh, look to from where it is borrowing the money. When you have a huge fund like the uh, public investment corporation, which holds 1. Eight trillion rand in its funds, and I believe the finance ministry chairperson of the of the board. Uh, I think that one what should happen now in in February is that the hated and feared uh, registration fee, which is which is nine thousand nine hundred rand for what 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 much that it should go, Uh, and uh, one way to finance that is just to have a bracket freeze. (laughs) to stop uh, adjusting the tax bra- bracket for, for inflation as it has been the tradition of finance ministers. There's a complete myth that, that uh, the tax pressure has increased on, on the middle class and the rich. It's quite the opposite. Uh, since 11, 12 years back, uh, you have the policy of, of decreasing the, the, the tax rates of the, of the, the, the top tax bracket uh, and you have ex- had uh, exaggerated uh, lift-ups of the of the tax brackets under the slogan of adjusting for inflation. If if the finance minister uh, stops doing this and have a bracket freeze, uh, then there you would have nine to ten billion rand, and it will be more than enough for financing uh, scrapping the, 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 this feared uh, uh, sort of registration fee at the universities. Uh, As as for the the, the tax rates, well, introduce a new tax bracket of 45%, which South Africa had in year 2000, 2001, from 1 million million in income and more. There you have another 9, 10 billion Rand. I mean, the, the tax system has been completely changed during the last 10, 11, 12 years. And now we see the result, one sign is a student rebellion. But I mean, uh, we have an <coughs> ongoing low-intensity uh, social disaster. Uh, it's in uh, the, the, the it was very inventive, I think, of, of, the, of the people of Kailitsha. They, they spoke about uh, the bread prices must fall, uh, demonstrating a chop right. And uh, I, I, I see in the mid-term budget that the finance minister and the treasury is playing with the thought of increasing the VAT. And I sincerely hope that that, that would really be an easy way out, which would provoke new social rebe- rebellion. And, and, and uh, it's the completely wrong way uh, to do it increase the tax bracket for about one million and there you have another six billion rand uh, well and if you bring in some ten or twenty thousand so-called hay- high net worth individuals well then you will pay for the whole university system because you have a lot of people who have wealth or income over seven billion or seventy five billion rand who are completely outside the, the tax system So that free education is possible and you can't hide behind the capitalist system as I heard another minister uh, uh, was doing earlier today. You have many capitalist countries in the world where you have free higher education for all.
1: And we are unpacking and digesting the midterm budget and taking your calls um, after we come back. It's uh, 27 minutes after 8.00.
4: Is this the sound of an airliner about to fall out of the sky with 227 souls on board? Or is this a nuclear plant starting up and bringing much needed power to a region? Get the bigger picture. Visit AfricanIndie.com. Print edition out every Friday. African Independent. We look at the bigger picture to get to the heart of the story. Dropping your toast butter side down, load shedding, stepping on Legos, the ever-buffering YouTube video, no airtime, cutting onions, and your phone autocorrecting Mondays to man boobs. That's not real drama. Being kidnapped by terrorists. Being murdered at your office, being crippled by industrial sabotage, and generally being stabbed in the back. That is a real drama. Is weeknights at 7pm. Find it on Three. The Industrial Development Corporation continues to facilitate job creation through funding medium to large businesses in key sectors. In 2014, we approved over 11 billion rand worth of funding, facilitating the creation and saving of over 20,000 jobs. This year, we want to do more to advance industrial development. If you have a business idea or are looking to grow your existing business, contact the IDC on idc.co.za, the Industrial Development Corporation, your partner in development finance. It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo, favorite time of the morning on AM
0: Live.
1: Well, we are talking about the medium-term budget uh, delivered yesterday by Finance Minister Santlanene. He's one of our guests, along with Dr. Elna Mulman and Dr. Dick Fosland. And um, I don't want to go to the calls right now because uh, we are fast coming up to news time. But perhaps, uh, Minister, if you would like to respond to what the two doctors raised before the break.
0: Thank you. Um, the two uh, doctors raised very uh, uh, critical points. The first Uh, 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 Dr. Mollman is the acknowledgement of our uh, uh, guideline for uh, uh, debt sustainability. This long-term fiscal guideline indeed uh, is is a a way of also trying to link uh, the spending ceiling uh, to our long-term economic growth projections. And I think it's, it's also an attempt to be able to keep that discipline as we move forward. And it, I agree with you that uh, it only stabilizes um, further down because it is not possible to actually arrest debt immediately um, w- without uh, allowing for some of uh, uh, you know, as I said, the countercyclicality effects to actually uh, hold for a period. But um, uh, the uh, other point um, that is raised is um, the issue of the SOEs. Uh, indeed, we have identified them as one of those risks. And it is for that reason also that we actually need to look at our legislation as to how, because if you have such risks to the fiscal framework and you do not have full control over them in order to be able to intervene, I said... (coughs) In provinces and uh, local government, you have legislation that if there is a failure in, um, in, in, executive, um, in, in dis- uh, executing or discharge of executive authority, you are able to intervene and be able to close the leak. But there is no such legislation that allows us. In the banks, you would put them under curatorship, you would uh, do all sorts of things, but with state-owned entities. And that is why we're saying we're proposing legislation that allows us to do that.